Sales slumps are a natural part of the sales process. And what you need to know, whether you're a veteran or you're brand new to sales, is they are going to happen. And how you deal with them really matters. So I've included a couple of strategies and a couple of ways for you to get back on top, no matter where you are in your sales journey. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios. And today, today is a fantastic day. And we are going to talk about sales slumps. It's one of the most common conversations that I have. It's one of the most common things that I get reached out to for. I get messages. I get emails. I get texts. I get people saying, hey, Scott, I'm in a sales slump for whatever reason. And I want you to think about sales in this way. Sales is all about patterns, just like everything else is in nature. But you have inputs. You have things that happen in your personal life. You have things that happen in the business life. You have things that happen with your clients that input your, your, your pattern that you're going to have. And sales slumps are natural. So when, when I was doing full-time in-home sales, I kept an Excel file of when I was on top, and I would call that the mountain. I kept uh, records of when I was in the, in the creek or when I was in the valley. And then I also kept uh, information on credit rejects, and I kept information on when people would try to unwind the deal. And the reason I did that was I could spot what my trends were, and I could fix them, and I could pull out of them. So the, the better record taking that you have, the easier this is for you to fix and it easier for you to pinpoint of like, hey, what went sideways and when? So it could be that you keep a good journal and you write in your journal. It could be that you uh, keep track of your commissions. Now, when I did in-home sales, 9% commission for me was uh, the magic number. I knew that if I was sticking somewhere around 9% because the max at the time that I could get paid was 10 so there was discounts and I would lose some of my commission just like it is for anybody else. So like I would do everything I could to stick somewhere around nine to 10%, but nine was my historical average. And so when I would work with salespeople and when I do work with salespeople in the industry, I say, okay, what's the maximum that you could make from the company or the organization you work with? And for some places it's 12, some it's 15. And then they say like, I'll make 15. Okay, and then we're gonna do everything we can to keep you near 14%. Okay, so... The reason that I say you start here is it gives you some sort of indication of what's going on. Now, does this mean that if you're in an industry and they pay 15% commission, you're always going to get 14? No. There's going to be times where you get three. There's going to be times where you get five. There's going to be times where you get zero. You know, it's sales. It's part of the game. But statistically speaking, what you want to look for is that consistency. And wherever you have a deviation, a massive deviation, usually correlates to a change in life. Loss of a boyfriend, loss of a girlfriend, loss of a husband, loss of a, uh, a wife, got a pool, got a house, got a car, went on a vacation. Those are like the big ones, okay? So let's start with what normally happens. It, you get called into an office, and for those who have been in sales, it's not a surprise. For those who haven't been in sales, they get really nervous about it. And, and the manager, the business owner puts you on a performance plan, a uh, PIP, some places call them a PIP. And it's an AKA, also known as you need some babysitting. 
And it could be truthfully that you do. You just may be, you know, in your head too much and you just need somebody to talk to. So it is good for you to have a sales therapist, somebody that you go and have a conversation with. But before you have this meeting, if you know that you're going to be going down this path and you're going to get called to the carpet, why not plan for it? Why not have everything mapped out when you go see Mr. or Mrs. Boss or Mr. or Mrs. Manager and say, hey, look, you know what? I know that I've had struggles and I, I accept full responsibility for that. I see that I'm I'm not doing what I'm supposed to and here's what I'm planning on doing. And the manager or the business owner may take a look at it and they may say, well, I would like to make these changes or everything's fine. If you can make it happen, good. And there are some managers out there that manage by a spreadsheet. And it's very non-emotional. And the first time that it happens to you, it's like, oh my goodness, what the hell just happened? I don't even, I don't even understand. And spreadsheets only care about numbers. And so there are managers that look at you like you are a lever or a shovel, and it's your job to go out there and perform because they have somebody else to answer to that only looks at spreadsheets and numbers, or they have investors that they got to deal with. So what happens is veterans typically have a tough time getting momentum because like they know like uh, I just for whatever reason I'm in a funk. So like this is what I've seen. I'll go work with a salesperson and they're in a funk and they don't get started right away. They'll go get coffee and then after they get coffee they get donuts and then after they get donuts they're like it's almost brunch. I'm going to get brunch. And they stop looking for reasons to take action. So first and foremost, if you're in a sales slump, you have to find a reason to take an action. You have to find a reason like I'm going to make my phone call. I'm going to reach out to somebody right now. You already know how to sell. You don't need more training. You need action. Think about that. You don't need more training. You need action. You already know how to sell. If you've got a proven track record and you're in a sell slump, you already know what you're doing. You're just not doing it. And so sometimes people reach out to me and they're like, hey, Scott, I need coaching. I'm like, okay, let's go down the path. Tell me what's going on. Well, you know, I was a record-breaking salesperson. I hit all my quotas. I hit all my goals. But... But like all of a sudden, I'm just not selling. I'm like, okay, so we've established that you know how to sell. And they'll say, well, I want training and coaching. And my first answer is you don't need training and coaching. You need to get back on the plan. You need to know what you were doing was working. For whatever reason, you stopped doing it. Yeah, but I need coaching. I'm like, look, 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 you're not listening. You could get coaching and training after you get out of your sales slump. What you don't need is a bunch of new material. You need to stick to the material that you know. Now, this is about 90% of the time. 10% of the time, they might need help, but I'm giving you the highlights. I'm giving you like, hey, look, from the people that I've worked with, here is the real deal. If you're a veteran in sales and you've closed a ton of deals before and all of a sudden you hit a sales slump, it's one of these reasons. You hit a goal. You lost a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, or a wife, or there's been a death in the family. You got a pool. You lost a, a car. You lost a house. You got a house. You bought a boat. Like there's major changes financially and there's major changes emotionally. That's usually what caused it. And the reason I say a goal can be a problem is because the brain relaxes when it hits a goal. I have made tons of mistakes making sales because I would close the deal. My brain reached a goal and then I would say stupid things in front of the buyer and lose the deal and talk myself out of the deal. Your brain does the same thing. So you want to make a hundred grand in the quarter. You want to sell a million dollars in a quarter. Once you do that, your brain is like, I need to replace my programming with new programming of what I need to do. And so what that does is that comes from action. Look at your conversations. Are they past-based, present-based, or future-based? So 
people who get stuck in the past usually are depressed. Like this is what it was back then. And I did this. It could be that they're stuck looking for relevancy in a sales meeting. It sucks to be there on zoom on go to meeting on Microsoft teams and everybody around you has got record breaking months and they're closing deals. Like, Oh my goodness, I just want to be relevant. So you go backwards and you tell stories. You go backwards and you're like, oh, remember that quarter in 2012 where I sold 18 times my my quota was? Well, it's because you're looking to match that feeling and that dopamine rush because you don't have one. People who are future-based can get anxiety from like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So here's what you do. You break up your goals into small ones. Start with your one-day goal. What's your first action you're going to take? What is the first action you're going to take? It could be a text message. It could be an email. It could be a phone call. But I've always found that by one small piece of momentum, it's like, okay, I got that out of the way. I can get the next one out of the way. So for five years, nine months, and three days, I put up a YouTube video every day. And that was my small action every day to know that I had to have a video out by 6.30 in the morning, Pacific time, every day. And it kept me on track. It kept me on pace. You know, I had a really good record. And then I was like, you know what? I don't need this anymore because it supported what I needed to do. I did it to like, hey, here is my monthly thing that I got to get done. I got to get out 30 YouTube videos a month, roughly. 28 in February, some of the months were 31. But let's just say 30 30 videos. So I plan accordingly. And it was a lot of work. But here's the thing. What it did was it already set my day. I I already had my tasks completed. I already had my thing completed for business that needed to be done. And it was usually before everybody else got started here on on the West Coast. Most people for the business world, they get started at eight or nine in the morning. I was an hour and a half ahead of them. Uh, Back in the day, I used to role play with this guy, Chris, every morning from six to seven. From six to seven, we would role play for an hour. And the reason we did that was because we had already had an hour of practice in and everybody else was practicing on their first client. So here's what you do is you break your, your, your goals into small ones. One day, seven day, 15 days. And then make a plan for something to do really cool in 90 days or even uh, in in 180 days. You have to reprogram your brain and tell it, like, here are the things that I want you to do. I need a new goal. I need a new task. So sales slump happens when you don't have a goal or a task to live from. Work your follow-up. Break them into the best chance to the worst chance and start calling them. You know, start looking for the ways for you to get some momentum. And the way that you do that is you do follow-ups with people that you've already given presentations to and you have a good chance of closing the deal. So if you've got 30 follow-ups to make, break them up into the first 10 are going to be like the best 10 people to call, the next 10 best people to call, and then like the ones you're like, I don't know if anything's going to happen, but gosh darn it, I'm still going to call them. At the end of the day, watch a funny movie. If it can't be a funny movie, watch a funny clip or a couple of funny clips on YouTube. Do what you can to laugh. Now, uh, I can tell you from watching as many sales presentations as I have that buyers can tell when you're stressed out. They know. They may not come out and say like, hey, sales guy, hey, sales girl, I can tell you're stressed out, but they're going to pick up on it. And they're going to be like, I don't know why you're stressed out in my sales presentation. You shouldn't be. I just want to buy your product or service. So if you're new to sales, I want to go over a couple things with you. Stick to the basics. Stick to the basics, stick to your script, stick to your word tracks. You got to get the foundation. You may be trying to do one of six things, building too much rapport. You may be like, I need to talk to my buyer more and I need to build more rapport. And 
you know, rapport is cool. I like rapport, but the rapport also works against you. It could very well be that you're taking too long to get to the price. You, you, you're waffling around, you're telling stories. You know, I have this belief that closers uh, are action oriented, meaning that they see the steps that it takes to get to the sales and they jump through each one of those hoops and they may take a couple minutes, like one or two minutes longer to get to the, through each hoop, but they don't drag their feet. So when I say building up too long to get to the price, I have been on sales calls that could have been closed in an hour and a half that took four hours and the salesperson lost the deal. It's just because everything dragged on for so long. You could be stuck on price. Anywhere I've worked, I just had to look at it like the price is the price. I don't have control over that. Like what I do have control over is the outcome of what you're going to get and how you're going to get it. Number four, scared of rejection. Scared to be told no. I've been told no so much, I'm going to get told no again. If you're in sales, you get told no all the time. All the time. Read Green Eggs and Ham, one of the best sales books ever written. Think about it. Sam I Am was a freaking closer. Anytime I'm in a sales slump, I literally go grab a book, Green Eggs and Ham, and I read it out loud, and I read it with emotions, and I read it with conviction. And sometimes when before I talk to a client, I got to read some green eggs and ham. And sometimes after I lose a deal, I got to read some green eggs and ham. Number five, not knowing how to get to the next step. No transition. Okay, we're done talking about that topic. We're going to move to this topic. So like you may wrap up the session. Hey, before we move on, is there anything else you need to know about? Fill in the blank. Hey, I'm all done discussing this point, this bulletin. Did you have any questions before we move on? Like that is a simple, simple, simple transition. Number six, talk yourself right out of the deal. It's a combination of the first five. Too much rapport, too long to get to the price, being stuck on price, being scared of rejection, and not knowing how to get to the next step. Talking yourself right out of a deal happens more than you would ever imagine. So it's going to come down to you recording your sales presentation and watching what you're doing on video, listening to the audio, and seeing what you're really doing in your presentation. It could be that you go ride with a closer and do a ride-along. But here is the magic trick. And I don't mean this in a bad way, because most of the time tricks don't work. When you're practicing, what you can do is you could do what I like to refer to as root beer bottle rapport. And what that is, is you adapt the physiology that anybody would when they were having drinks at, like, at a happy hour in a bar. You sit completely different at happy hour than you do in a presentation. I guarantee it. And so what you do is you hold onto a root beer bottle and you give your presentation taking the physiology like you were at happy hour. Now, your vocal pitch and tone is all going to completely change. Where salespeople struggle, and they don't know it because nobody's ever pointed it out to them, is they play Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. In the presentation, they're one person as they build rapport. The buyer picks up on everything that they're saying, and they're building a profile in their head. And we are comparison devices. We look at two things and say, what's similar and what's different? And so what happens is your buyer is watching you, and you have a comparison. There is conversation and rapport you, and there is sales you, and then there's closing you. And then if you could be the same person in all three, typically you don't have the conversation like, you sound like a salesperson. You sound like a used car salesperson. You're just trying to close me. So yesterday, I get a phone call. Somebody was trying to sell me marketing. And I love listening to sales pitches. 
I love giving listening to presentations. I like giving objections and seeing how they overcome them. So this guy wanted me to invest in some marketing, and it was a magazine. And I'm not a big fan of print magazine, because why? Most people don't look at it. They consider it junk mail, okay? Now, if they subscribe, it's a different story. So uh, the guy tells me, he's like, hey, I really think you should invest in this. It goes to this demographic and this type of person, and we're going to send out a 1,000 of them. And I said, look, you know what? Uh, I'm up on marketing. I'm really not interested. So the guy goes, feel, felt, found. <clears throat> so the guy goes into feel, felt, found mode. I understand how you feel. Many people have felt the same way, but in, from doing work with me, they found that this works. And I respond back with like, look, I'm not interested. Um, it's not something that I want to do. So then the guy tries the puppy dog clothes. Well, you know, why don't you just try it, you know, for uh, this short term and see if it's going to work for you? And I start laughing and I go, no, I, I'm not interested. So then he goes like, okay, well, if we can narrow this down, what's really holding you back? And, you know, the guy was on point. He he was pretty good at sales, but he, I wouldn't say he was exceptional because he just... He just didn't have the charisma. He didn't have the right energy. And he was getting flustered while I was having this conversation with him. He was he was losing his edge. And so I finally stop him. I go, hey, look, you know, part of my role and my function is a sales trainer. I train people. And so I appreciate the effort. I appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, I'm not interested. So then he goes discount mode because he lost control. He didn't have anywhere that he could go. And so I told him, I said, like, I'm going to end this call very gracefully. I'm not interested in your product. I'm not interested in your service. I've done sales. I know what it's like to be, you know, treated poorly. I'm just going to tell you, it's not anything that I want to do. What gave him away was his vocal pitch and tone when he got rattled. I knew it. I picked up the point exactly where he got rattled. And it was after the second objection. He didn't have the skills. He didn't have the talents. And he was in his mind. I'm telling you right now, I, I know this feeling. He was calculating his commissions while he was talking to me. He was thinking about his money instead of thinking about me. If you're in a sales slump, there's really seven things for you to look at. Building too much rapport, building too long to get to the price, being stuck on price, being scared of rejection, not knowing how to get to the next step or building transitions, talking yourself right out of the deal, or getting flustered when you get an objection. Just remember, make sure you laugh. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo. Mahalo.